ladies and gentlemen, we are not going to speak about the terrible state of the Boston Celtics right now. But we are back for another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. Myself, Mo Mootsi in the building, BJ Armstrong alongside me. BJ, how are you doing today, sir? Doing wonderful, Mo. The Knicks got a wonderful win. And I got one thing to say to you, Mo. Let's do that podcast thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because the Celtics, as you can see, are trying to receive my hairline further and further day by day. Now, I didn't get to check the Golden State Warriors game last night. Did you get a chance to catch it? I'm about to catch up with it as soon as we finish recording. How did they lose to the Pelicans? Please explain to me how they lost to the Pelicans. Well, they were, they had two players missing. No, they had no Steph and no Drake. It makes sense. There you go. <laughs> I just seen the box. <laughs> I just seen, I said before I clicked on it, I was having a house. Mo, 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 Mo. You're, you're, you're trying to you're trying to create a diversion here. Yes. Let's do that podcast no. thing. <laughs> and talk about the Celtics versus the Knicks. <laughs> okay. Let me let you start it off because because you're coming from a non-emotional place with this whereas i feel like my judgment of this team is somewhat clouded by disappointment what are you seeing because because i know what i'm seeing i texted you about it a few weeks ago mo let's start at the top jason tatum and jalen brown let's do that podcast thing Okay. What are you going to do, Mo? So this was actually the only the 10th, no, the 11th game all season where these two guys have actually played together because they've missed so much time, COVID, injuries, etc., etc. Now, everyone in the world, I've said this numerous times, everyone in the world wants them to break up. They think they can't play together. And every time I like to remind people, these guys are kids. 23 years old, 25 years old, and they can play together because they've got to three conference finals together. What they don't have, however, is the right pieces around them. Now, when you look at the Celtics, they have downgraded year upon year all of the pieces around them. They've lost Gordon Haywood. They've lost Kyrie Irving. But for me, the biggest loss is not the biggest names. For me, the biggest loss was when guys like Marcus Morris, Jay Crowder, when these guys left the franchise, free agents or traded away, the franchise, the team, not the franchise, because the franchise is immortal, but the current group of players lost their identity because there's no dogs. We've got Marcus Smart, but that's it. Your enforcer on your team cannot be six foot three because otherwise I'll go and fight with them. You need every great team needs. I was listening to Draymond Green speak about this. You need an enforcer. You need a culture. You need, when we look at the Celtics teams that made those conference finals, they were great teams. No one wanted to play against them. Every every team would see the Celtics come up on their schedule and be like, oh God. Whereas now you see the Celtics and you think, oh, oh, we're playing Boston. We ain't got to worry about anyone because they're just going to give the ball to Jason Tatum and the ball to Jalen Brown and everyone else is going to stand still and then we're just going to have to guard their one-on-one. 
we can win this game. And here we are. The Boston Celtics absolutely, unequivocally, disgustingly stink. 18 and 21. Losing to the New York Knicks. Not the New York Knicks of last year, who were marginally good. The New York Knicks, who also stink. How are you going to let RJ Barrett hit game when it over your head? No. I'm not here for it. I don't want to see it. Don't want to talk about it. Makes me sick. In my opinion, everyone on this roster, aside from Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, the Time Lord, and Marcus Smart is up for trades. Get rid of every single one of the rest of them. Get rid of the front office. Get rid of the new coach. Get rid of them, everyone. The talent is there. I don't want to blame these guys. The talent is there. Get rid of everyone else. Give me some real rugged dogs that are going to come in and make life hell for the opposition. That's what I need. That's my run over. Are you done, Mo? I'm, I will never be done. <laughs> Until they start winning some damn games. I will not be done. I'm losing my voice, screaming at the damn TV. You go. Well, I, I, I have nothing to say now. You've traded away the entire team with the exception of, what, three or four guys. You've gotten rid of the coach. You've gotten rid of the front office. What about the fans? Can they at least stay in the building or fans will always stay? The fans, <laughs> the fans are the ones who deserve this. The fans are the ones who deserve better. The fans do good times, do bad times. They hold it down. But now we're supposed to be in good times, but the players, the teams, the coaches, the front office are giving us bad times. The fans deserve better. I'm a man of the people, if nothing else. I just want to see better for the loyal supporters of the greatest franchise in the history of the world. They deserve better. Did you just throw that in there? I say it every time. I say it every time. Okay. Well, I think the people have heard. I just love to hear you talk about the Celtics. (laughs) You are not ready yet, nor are the Celtic fans ready yet to hear the truth. So I'm going to save my views because the executives aren't playing. The coaches aren't playing. All the players you just traded aren't getting the plays called for them. So I'm going to wait because okay. right now you're in denial. You're in denial right now, Mo. I know you're emotionally, I- <laughs> you're emotionally involved in this. And I'm just going to wait patiently. Listen, I know what you're going to say, but there's no way on earth I'm trading away a 23-year-old superstar because he hasn't won a title yet or a 25-year-old superstar because he's only been to three conference finals. I will wait patiently so that I can see what you see. Okay. That's... That's an adult decision. You know, I'm not making an emotional decision. I I am. I'm going to wait patiently. And I'm not. (laughs) When you are ready (laughs) and you ask me my opinion, I'm not going to give you my opinion until you ask. Okay. Oh, okay. I heard Mo. Mo wants to trade everyone. So let's 
let's do what Mo said. Let's trade everyone except those three or four guys and then go from go from there. Because yes. we can't blame Danny Ainge now. No, even though Desmond Bain is looking like the most improved player in the league, even though Matisse Tybal is clamping guys down. Meanwhile, the guys we drafted are doing what? Nothing. We can't we we can't blame the coach. The coach has moved. Well, he's upstairs now. Yeah. Okay, Mo, and moving right along. I personally, with, with all due respect, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Brad Stevens, the coach. I thought he was great. You know, his technical abilities, drawing up plays out of timeouts and, you know, running the defense, even though they didn't have that many players with great defenders and somehow coming out with great defense. He was great as a coach. I don't see his value as, as a member of the front office. Like, in my head, when he became the president of the team or the GM or whatever the hell he is, I thought it was just Danny Ainge retiring, but he still wanted Brad Stevens to do what he told him. So he just moved him there. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I want Danny Ainge back. I would swap them right now if I could. I would swap them instantly. Because Danny Ainge, say what you want about him, that guy's a winner. And that guy, more importantly, is a dog. When he was a player... When he's in front office, come on, man. I just, I, I'm sick of being nice. I want to go back to the Celtics when people are afraid to play against the Celtics. I want, I, I want to go back to the Celtics where opponents didn't want to play the Celtics. That's what I miss. I want to go back to when teams didn't want to do business with the Celtics because the last few years, every single good player the Celtics have drafted has been traded away. And the icing on the cake is to dump the contract of Ennis Cantor. They traded away the pick that they picked Desmond Bain with. You know, the guy in Memphis who's coming off, dropping 30 point games, lying out from three to dump Ennis Cantor's contract. They traded him. Now I'd understand. So why the hell is Ennis Cantor back on the roster? I thought his name was Freedom. Yeah, freedom for the opposition <laughs> to score as many times as they want whenever he's on the court. I never want to see that guy playing on NBA again. And that's nothing personal because he loves to do the thing. No, it's not personal. He's just bad at playing defense. That's it. I've had enough. So I'm going to hit you with some news. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Are you done? I will never be done, but I'm gonna hit, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna switch gears here. First of all, before we get into the next topic, I want to just put a huge shout out and a huge thank you to every one of the fans who's been listening this week, who has been telling their friends to tune in, who's been tweeting, telling the rest of the world about how much they're enjoying their podcast. This helps us so much. You guys spreading the word helps us so much to keep doing what we're doing. So thank you so much for the love. We appreciate it and keep sharing. Keep shouting from the rooftops that you're rocking with the best podcast in the game, the Hoop Genius Podcast. Me and BJ, we're so grateful to every single one of you yes. who's left a rating. We're a, we're five four point nine out of five on Spotify now. The people are loving us. There's one person who left a bad bad thing, and they're they're a hater somewhere. I think it must be one of my exes somewhere out there in the world that doesn't want to see me winning because there's no way this podcast is anything below a five out of five. Shout out to everyone leaving reviews on the Apple Podcast charts, uh, Apple Podcast app. But in good, oh, Mo, Mo, can I hold up? Yeah, Mo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did on. you just say 
one of your exes? Hey, no, no, we ain't having this conversation. We ain't having this conversation. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Okay, they mad. They mad they was with me when I was broke. Now they see me on the TV. No, I'm, I'm just playing. I'm just playing, man. I'm, I'm a nice guy. Um, we're going to keep it moving, though. We're going to keep it moving. We're going to talk about, you know, we talked about Kyrie Irving returning yesterday. We're going to talk about another player making his way back to the court this weekend. He's anticipated a Sunday return against the Indiana Pacers. It's none other than Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. Now, it feels like we haven't seen Clay play basketball in forever. And that is correct because this is going to blow your mind. The last time we saw Clay Thompson on the basketball court, Anthony Davis played for the Pelicans. Wow. Jimmy Butler played for the 76ers. Kawhi Leonard was winning a championship with the Toronto Raptors. And Russell Westbrook, well, no one was complaining about his turnovers. They were celebrating his triple doubles because he was still with the OKC Thunder. So Clay Thompson has been out for not one but two years. He's had not one but two injuries. He had the ACL and then he had the meniscus, if I'm not mistaken. Two no, very and was it not Achilles, Achilles, oh, Achilles, even worse, Achilles, Achilles. even yes. worse. He's had two very serious injuries that regular human beings would not bounce back from. But we're gonna see if Clay can. We've heard great things from his teammates and his coaches about him getting back to speed. He went and spent some time in the G League, unlike Kyrie Irving. So I'm not expecting him to come in and drop 22 points like Kyrie because. Kyrie wasn't injured, or well, he was injured a little bit, but he didn't have that serious of an injury. He was just chilling, not playing, because he was sitting out the games. Whereas Clay Thompson has only been cleared to return this weekend. So, BJ, what are you expecting from the great Clay Thompson? Well, Mo, what I'm expecting is the following. We're calling this Clay's comeback. And within this two-year window, there has, to be, there has to have been some very dark days. Clay is a hooper. Pure. He's a baller. Pure. And when you talk about someone who loves the game, make no doubt about it. Clay is the consummate professional. And to sustain an injury like he did, an ACL tear, then on his comeback, basically nine to months or yep. 11 months later, he sustains another significant injury with his Achilles. That's tough. What am I expecting? You know, Mo, I can't imagine doing something that you love to do. And all of our listeners, imagine doing what you love to do every day. And then suddenly, in an instant, in a moment's time, it's taken away. Been there. Not something something you like to do. Not something you just do casually. Something you love to do. Like, this is, and it's taken away. So what I'm expecting, I'm just expecting him to have a lot of butterflies. I'm expecting him to be very nervous. I'm expecting the team to be nervous. But more importantly, for him to be around a group of guys in the locker room and back in the the arena, back to playing, back to competing, to me, that's a win. 
Yeah. So I'm not expecting him to be clay of old, but I'm, ex- I, I'm just going to be happy to see him out there on the court because we, the game, this league, we miss him. Facts. Clay, clay has created, been a part of some of the most incredible moments in the history of the NBA. His shooting and what he's done, the Splash Brothers will forever go down is perhaps the best shooting backcourt in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Certainly they will be talked about up there with one of the best, if they're not the best. Yes. So I'm happy he's back. The fans, we are all happy he's back. And I wish I could be there to clap because this has to have been one of the most difficult returns ever, especially for someone like Clay, who I, I know a little bit. And I'm just happy to see that he was able to stick through because this is a very, very tough, tough return. And I'm sure all of the people up there in, in the Bay Area are rooting along with the NBA community is rooting for him. Yes, uh, Clay's good vibes. Everyone knows this. Now, when Clay comes back, the one good thing about him coming back at this stage is there's no pressure on him as the Warriors really have the second best record in the NBA. So there isn't the pressure on him to carry the team. He can get back into his rhythm. He can get back into space. Because I think that word there, the rhythm, is so key, especially for a shooter like Clay. Now, what I'm looking for is how much does he trust the movement in his legs. Now, anyone who's suffered a significant injury, psychologically, it affects you. If I come and play pickup with you, you will never, ever see me try to dunk the basketball again. Why? Because the last few times, I've landed on my ankle or my knee and they've snapped. So now I just don't do it. Okay? Clay, if you're listening and you heard what BJ said about having something you love being taken away from you, well, if you do get another injury... Come and join the podcast because you can set up for a career in the media just like I did. But aside <laughs> from that, let's look at Clay Thompson's game and really break it down. His legs, when I say the trust in his legs, is because the buckets he makes look easy. They're not easy. He's constantly running off screens, navigating his way through the defense. Defenders are trying to bump him to get to his spots to take those shots and score those shots at a ridiculous speed, might I add. Now, he plays some time in the G League. He's been practicing with his squad. But none of these things can replicate game-like situations because none of your teammates are going to bump you as hard as an opponent is going to bump you when you're trying to get to your spot because none of your teammates are trying to hurt you. I'm not saying the opponent is. The opponent is just trying to win the game. So that's what I'm looking for is how much does he trust in his landing? You know, how much... Does he trust if he attacks the paint, tries to take a layup or a dunk? How much does he trust the landing on his legs? And then defensively is the biggest area of concern for me. Can he get back to being the guy who takes on the primary assignment every night in Golden State? Now, I've been reading this book about the Golden State Warriors. It's called The Victory Machine by Ethan Mm. Sherwood Strauss. It's a fantastic book. I'm about halfway through or just a little bit more. And um, if you didn't know, I have started the world's first, I believe, virtual basketball book club, where every week this year, we will be reading a different basketball book and then coming together on a Monday on Twitter in a spaces thing. It's like a virtual room. We're all going to be in there to discuss the book. So that's just a little heads up for you. If you haven't got this book for this week, next week, we're reading Kevin Garnett's book, The A to Z by KG. Get that so you can read it before the following Monday where we meet up to discuss that. I'll be also dropping a video on Monday reviewing the book. 
And I've just been speaking with the author. He might be coming on to drop a few gems for us as well about his journey, writing a book from the inside of the Warriors organization. But I say that to say this. I've just read a little chapter about Clay Thompson there. And there was a big focus on Clay Thompson's character. They talk Mm. about Clay Thompson and he is a man that's not like a lot of other star players. You won't catch him in the club. You won't catch him turning Mm. up. Clay Thompson is about, he, he dates some women. It's natural. Everyone does. He's about two things other than that. Number one, this is dog Rocco. And number two is playing basketball. He has a laser focus. Let me just, let me just read this to you real quick. Okay. Before we get into the rest of it, they say here, Clay Thompson would be the perfect army sniper because of the way that he can just lock in and do whatever the coach requests. When the coach wants him to guard Tony Parker, for example, force him left and go under on screens. He does exactly that. He is the ultimate professional. He can focus in on the game and have no distractions whatsoever. And then, you know, he doesn't make excuses. He always talks about a quote that Bob Myers once gave. And he said, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and don't blame others. How come everyone's doing what Bob's doing now? Blaming each other. So listen, Clay Thompson, there's just a little, little note in here. Former Warriors coach Luke Walton once quipped that in Memphis, Clay loved a particular breakfast omelette. Every step out of a shoot round, he's just thinking omelette, omelette, omelette. This is a man so focused, he's thinking about a damn breakfast omelette and nothing else whilst draining more threes than you've ever made in your life. So to see him back on the court is a blessing. Whatever he does on the court is just the added bonus. I'm just excited to get this guy healthy and see what he can do. And he only needs to really add anywhere between 10 to 15 points for this Warriors team, I think, to take them to another level. They're adding in 10 to 15 points. Let Jordan Poole be that sixth man and come in and play a nice scoring role. Let Steph Curry keep being Steph Curry. Draymond Green is going to find him easy looks. And I'm excited for that. But before we go, the final topic we got to talk about today mm. is another player out with injury. This has just come to my attention. Zion Williamson is continuing his rehab from injury. Shout out to Zion. You see the Zions right there. Special edition. Yes. Friends and family. Yes. You know the vibes. He's got a new jacket. Zion and Jordan Brown last night. You know the vibes. We're not here to talk about that. Because I want to be wearing all of this. I want to be representing for my guy. But he needs to be out on the court. Now, he's opted to rehab for his team away from the New Orleans Pelicans franchise. He's going to be in Portland rehabbing. Now, a lot of people have had a lot of things to say about this, BJ. What is your Mm. observation on this? A lot of people are saying he's not committed to the Pelicans and he doesn't want to be there already. What's your take? Mm. Well, Mo, let's pump the brakes and let's take a deep dive here. Mm -hmm. You know, Mo, with, with the responsibility of the best player, which Zion clearly is. Zion has been the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. He was the number one pick. He comes into, into the NBA. He's, he quickly ascended 
to become an all-star. He quickly ascended to become one of the elite players in the NBA, whether deservingly so or not. He was put there. And now with that comes a level of expectation. You know, no matter how good young players are when they come into this league, there's a learning curve to leadership and understanding what it means to not only be the best player on the team, let alone do what we're asking him to do now, which is to carry a franchise. My thought about this mode is about one thing. If I'm not doing everything in my power to win, then what am I doing? And what that means, Mo, what I'm doing and preparing myself off the court, that's going to allow me to win. Am I getting the proper rest? Am I eating? Am I training? Am I doing everything I can possibly do to win? Because winning in the NBA is a very difficult thing. It takes more than just talent. So now I've placed this young man in the response and given him the responsibility, given him the keys to the car. And suddenly now I'm asking him to do what you don't see many young players do lead. Where has he learned to have that level of leadership yet? Just because he's the best player doesn't necessarily mean that you're the leader of the team or the leader of a franchise. You may be the best player on the team, but that takes time. And right now is what you're seeing now, Mo, is a lack of leadership. Yeah. He's supposed to be in New Orleans for one reason only. He's been placed as the leader of the franchise. And he's not there. Whether he knows that or not. And at his age, I'm not... I don't even think it's fair for him to be in that position. Mm-mm. This is why, Mo, I was I was disappointed then, and I'm disappointed now, is that when we did, when we, and I say we, the lead, when they did the collective bargaining agreement and all of these things and tanking and all of that, we took out the middleman. We took out the veterans. Mm-hmm. We took out the players where the young players could learn the business. Not coach the business. You can learn the business. Things that the fans can't see. Things that only the people in the business can learn. Yeah. And Mo, when I look at that roster, and this isn't Zion's fault. This is the adults' fault, myself included. When you look at that roster, who's the oldest player on their team? Maybe Brandon 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 Ingram. Is it, they got Garrett Temple and Thomas Saransky back in a trade from the Chicago Bulls. Okay. Thomas Saransky's contract's okay. off the books this year. Garrett Temple's earning five million a year, but they were they're probably going to be moved to contenders looking for pieces. And then you've got Jonas Valanciunas at twenty nine, but uh, you know he's just coming to replace Stephen Adams. And then you've got a bunch of guys who are. 26, 24, like you got Josh Hart and Devontae Graham, etc. But they're not, in my eyes, they're still young players. They're still like young Devontae players, Graham, exactly. as, as 26 years old, what veteran experience does he have? He's only really been in the limelight for the past two or three seasons. And, and you know, 
you know, when, when, when I came in and I remember I came to a veteran team, like there was Bill Cartwright, there was John Paxson, there was Michael Jordan. There were these veterans that taught me the way, right? Not just how to play the game, but taught me the way, like, people that you respected because you wanted to achieve what they achieved. You know, when I was coming through, I remember Charles Barkley as a, as a young player and we were on vacation together and he was telling me the most impactful veteran on his career. And he's, he's said this story many times, but he, I mean, I was right there and he was telling me, he was like, you know, the, Charles Barkley reminds me of Zion in, in a lot of ways because Charles as a young player, he was, he's always been heavy, but he was, he was right around 300 pounds or so still the best player, but he was still big and he knew then he had to control his weight. I'm sure there were coaches who told him that I'm sure there were friends, but it didn't sink in into a player named the late, great Moses Malone. Legendary. When an, when an MVP, a former MVP sets you down mm. and says something, it hits a little different, Mo. Hits a little different than your boy telling you. It hits a little different when the coach is telling you. Yeah. Uh, an MVP of Moses Malone, who's been there, done that, what you want to do, suddenly says something to you now you got to make a decision because you can't just dismiss that one Mm -hmm. and i remember him telling me that how important that was for his career and then i remember hearing the same thing from akeem olajuwon of what moses malone did for his career these are just two prime examples no, obviously, both of them, Akeem and Charles, had incredible talent. Mm-hmm. But my point being is veteran leadership matters. Facts. And, and even recently, look at Kawhi Leonard, his development and his growth. Because- you think that would have happened anywhere if Tim Duncan managed Nobody okay. and Tony Parker weren't there? Even yeah. with all these but young cats coming in the world. Tim Duncan, think about it. Tim Steph Duncan Curry comes in. Green. Yeah. Tim Duncan comes in and he's playing alongside. David Robinson. The Admiral. It matters, Mo. Right. I know it's, a, a, I, it matters. So mm-hmm. when you have a great vet that you respect and the team respects and he's playing and can still contribute, it matters to these young players because they're still young, Mo. They're mm-hmm. still young. No matter Zion is 21. Ta- he is 21 20- years old. What and can he's- this young man know? by far the most talented player when he's healthy on that roster. And, and I, Mo, I, it would, it would, it would serve him. It would serve him very well. If he could just be a 20 or 21 year old kid and let someone else worry about the responsibility and accountability of the team and the leadership and all those things. And let Zion just be what he is right now a very talented and gifted player. Yep. This is what goes back to what I said about Stokes. Let these young guys be young and develop 
You need veterans on the roster. If you're trying to put the right piece around, can't be other young players and think we're going to develop them all at the same time. You need veterans. Maybe if they're past their prime. But the one silver lining for Pelicans fans, if there are any of those out there, or Zion fans, because I know there are a lot of those out there, is through his first three seasons in the NBA, Zion Williamson may have only played 85 games. But through Joel Embiid's first three seasons in the NBA, he only played 31 games. And now look at him, he's out on the court dominating in MVP conversations. So it's far too early for some of the hot takes that I've been seeing about Zion Williamson. And it is far too early for everyone at home to not be subscribed to the Hoop Genius podcast because that is another episode in the books. Mm. Episode Mm. five of the week. We put in that grind for you. Appreciate the love you guys have been showing. Keep showing it, keep spreading it. We'll be back on Monday with another episode. BJ Armstrong, thank you for joining us this week. It's been an honor as always. Peace, Mo. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go do some meditation or or something. Because, uh, you know, while you're talking about the problems of Pelicans have with Zion, I'm, I'm all just thinking about Jason Tatum and the Celtics. Shout, <laughs> shout out to the Cavs, though. Trading for, for Rajon Rondo. I want to see Rajon Rondo back in Boston as we saw him miss playmaking <laughs> and more importantly, veteran leadership. And he would have been a perfect candidate. He's played with superstars that people thought might not fit together. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. My <laughs> phone is currently blown up with Knicks fans trolling me, etc., etc. I'm going to turn off my phone and edit this podcast. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, you know the vibes. Get buckets, unlike the Boston Celtics.